Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? All right, Mark. It's just a two-man booth here today. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to bring some levity to this show and, and do the thing Mike does, talking about what day it is when people are listening to this. Yeah. What fun holiday is it today? February, Donut Day, Burrito Day. February 28th, which was... Just happy birthday to Dallas Mavericks star Luka Donacic. Shout out to him. I don't know who that is. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, anniversary, the 30th anniversary of the Branch Davidian Waco disaster where the ATF and the Branch Davidians got in a shootout in Waco, Texas. Not a great moment in history. So I'm. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Guns and law enforcement. it It is. Whose birthday can we shout out here? Besides this, my list is oh Masato Tanaka. There it is, Mark. Oh, okay. Masato Tanaka, a wrestler that young Bobby and young Mark big fans of. Uh, oh, wait, I'm trying to think. Tanaka, okay, Tanaka is the Japanese guy that fought Mike Austin with all the right? all the scars on his body. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking of who is the guy that his gimmick was. He was Native American. Oh, that's uh, that's just. Tatanka, I think. Tatanka. Okay. That's just Tatanka. I think it's Masato Tatanka. Masato Tanaka and Tatanka. Tatanka was a racist-ass gimmick, man. It was. That's what I was going to mention. It wasn't his finisher. He just stomped on you a bunch. I think so. It was. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Should have called it a trail of tears while they were at it too. They're going to go real. Oh, Jeez, <laughs> you got all the good ideas. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, boys and girls. Um, it's a John Jones fight week. Yeah, which includes us wondering, will John Jones be fighting on Saturday? Will the fight still take place in this state? The you younger MMA fans may not remember, but these are things that are on the table when John Jones is in is going to be fighting. Yeah, fights have been canceled, moved around. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, kidding around. Uh, big fight week. UFC 285 this weekend coming to everybody from the T-Mobile Arena. In Vegas, shout out to the guy running the board up there at the T-Mobile Arena who mm-hmm. spoiled this fight. Which does not feel like it was that long ago, honestly. Yeah, I mean, for a big fight like this, you almost anticipate months of lead up, and then yeah, to have it kind of spoiled through a billboard, and then even now, like I don't know, I've been, you know, I've saw the countdowns up, but it still doesn't feel. Like, it's a huge, big event, you know, and that could just be, you know, the marketing machine not really pushing it as much, or maybe I'm yeah. not tapped into the channel. Well, you know, honestly, the there was a lot of but... a lot of hype behind the, uh, I mean, Jake Paul was on ESPN pay-per-view also, so that's mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of the sports hype machine is ESPN in this, like, they dictate mm-hmm. a lot of conversation. So week of is usually where week of, and the yeah, UFC I, doesn't really do a good job anyway of, like, pre-four yes. the week of doing this stuff, so, um, but yeah, John Jones and Cyril Gaon are fighting for the UFC Heavyweight Championship, a title that became vacant when they chose not to pay their champion. Well, I think pay actually wasn't the problem as yeah. much as all the other issues the man had, including yeah. length Giving of contract. Him his, 
I think length freedom. of contract honestly was the big part. Yeah. Of it. But anyway, yeah. putting that aside, uh, this is allegedly for the undisputed title. You make with that what you want. Um, it's for the UFC title. We'll call it that. Uh, co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko's heard the noise, seen these other contenders rise. Uh, she can defend that title against the pride of Guad of Guadalajara. I should know this. My girlfriend uh, is I a would. fan too. Guadalajara, Mexico, Jalisco, so remember, Mexico. But... She's mm-hmm. also from Jalisco. Alexa Grasso is gonna be gonna go out there and try to take this title off of uh, Miss Shevchenko. Alexa Grasso, somebody, Mark. We've been paying. We've been on. We've been you know watching uh, this woman compete. I'm saying from the second she showed up in Invicta, that was 2014. So we've been on this journey mm-hmm. a bit. She's uh, 29 years old now. I think she was, I think she was 22 actually, uh, 21, 22 when we got she got on all of our radars. Um, mm-hmm. This is kind of what it was all coming up to. Her fighting an unbeatable champion who's a minus 700 favorite. But we'll talk about that. Um, just a lot of, a lot of new MMA talent on this card. Uh, mm-hmm. We got Shafkat Rachmanov, the goddamn. Maybe just the best welterweight in the world right now. Like, I'm not picking against him, against anybody mm-hmm. in this weight class. Taking on Jeff Neal. Jalen Turner taking on Matias Gamrot. He was supposed to be fighting um, Dan Hooker. And Dan Hooker had to pull mm-hmm. out. And then somehow the fight became just way more difficult. I, th- I mean, no offense to Dan Hooker, Mark, but I was planning on picking Jalen Turner for sure in that one. I'm right. not feeling that way, not to spoil the ending of this podcast in that one with him and Gamrot. Um, and then that new hot shit, folks, Bo, Bo Nickel, the man who mm-hmm. set the Contender Series uh, ablaze, a guy who they didn't pick the first time just so they could have him whoop, whoop another ass, another episode of the Contender Series. Yeah. Um, NCAA World Champion three goddamn times um, for Ohio no, Penn State. Apologize. Penn State. That matters to those people, Mark. Ohio State versus Penn State. Real rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, 3-0 fighter is a fucking minus like 1,800 favorite fighting on the main right. card of a pay-per-view. Bo Nichols is going to go out there, mm-hmm. take on Jamie Pickett. This card is fucking pretty loaded beyond that, man. We got uh, a fight yeah. that I'm really interested in, quite frankly. Derek, Br- Derek Brunson and Drickus de Plusis, of all the fights so far, I'm the most I'm very curious what's actually going to happen. Because Derek's a decent underdog, and I don't agree with it necessarily. Uh, Cody Garbrandt and Traven Jones, Vivian Arujo and Amanda Ribas, and Mark mm-hmm. Andre Beralt and Julian Marquez, and fucking Ian Geary is out there on um, on Plus, man, on Plus mm-hmm. with all the hype behind him. So this is you got Jessica Panay. This thing's deep, folks. So uh, we'll get into that. Um, go ahead, mm-hmm. buddy. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say like there's looking at the undercard, at least the one on Plus, like almost all those fights have someone that's undefeated. Mm-hmm. So I think earlier when you were talking about like a new generation, I think this undercard really elevates that where we have a lot of fighters that I mean don't have a ton of fights. You know, mm-hmm. Ian Gary only has 10. Um, some of these other guys are just around like the 10 mark, but are undefeated. So, you know, we could we could be seeing, you know, a good amount of potential up and coming stars here. Lots of prospects on this one, as well as, you know, yeah, uh, I think the main card has a lot of more legitimate prospects that are really nipping at the heels of title contention. So there's a lot. A lot of interesting stuff on this card. A lot of stuff to be excited about for this upcoming weekend card. And and like I told you earlier, I think when you showed me the full card, like this is what I would consider 
worthy of eighty dollars for a paper. Is it eighty or eighty five? Honest question. No, oh, my goodness, no, it's eighty, right? <laughs> I think eighty, right? Next year is eighty five. I wasn't trying to be a smartass. Honestly, I was just you know. I honestly don't remember. Um, I think it's eighty. <laughs> Again, eighty five. Then, then I'm like rethinking the whole thing. Like that five dollars really means a lot. Um, but th- this is the caliber of card that I kind of anticipate for a pay-per-view, you know, having multiple title fights, I think is a big boon. And I think even more so than that, the rest of the main card, there's a lot of appeal here. Like we said, there's lots of really high talent, um, and interesting prospects. I think with Bo Nickel, I think there's a lot of hype around him. So to get him on the pay-per-view kicking it off, there's a lot of intrigue personally for this card. And, you know, for me and that high pay-per-view price, that's kind of what it needs to be. These need to be big Super Bowl events, you know, when you're charging that much money. So I, I think I think this is a good card, and yeah. it'll be fun to break it down. Exactly. Um, before we do that, though, we're going to talk a little bit about this last weekend's fight cards. Um, kind of a bummer. We lost the main event of the UFC fight card. Uh, fight, honestly, everybody mm-hmm. was really excited for. Just mostly because Ryan Spann fights like a crazy person, and you're like, well, this is probably going to end one way or another. In about and just how minutes. yeah, in in canceling day of too is just kind of it throws everything off, you know. Like they had to, the co-main went up to the main, but they didn't do five rounds, so there was just a lot of shuffling going on last minute because um you know uh it was Krylov right Krylov got, got sick and sick. had to pull out, but it looks like uh, just breaking news or at least to you and me breaking news that fight got rebooked for uh, two uh, not uh, March eleventh. Let me just make it simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not this Saturday. Weeks, yeah. Saturday after that. Another Apex card, I think, um, which that one's already, that one was already, I mean, I was intrigued in the Marab, Divishvili, and Jan fight, but you had this on mm-hmm. there. This, this make that, yeah. They're going to make them wish they sold a few more tickets to that thing. Um, but let's talk about, actually, let's talk about the UFC card from this past weekend anyway, since you already mentioned it. Um, I think we got to immediately give some flowers out to Mr. Brendan Allen because sure. yeah. people were talking that Andre Muniz is looking at a guy who's going to compete for a title soon. Um, he was 23-4 and four overall. UFC, after two contender series fight, he was 5-0 uh, and oh with, uh, with three submission finishes. The man broke Jacare's arm and it sub- mm-hmm. made him ta- made him, submitted him in a UFC fight. A lot of hype behind him here. Um, and I don't even think it was so much, I'm going to say he did... Uh, like, Muniz did things. I mean, I'm sure he did things wrong, and you'll sure. I'm sure you'll tell me as well. But like, I more so just came out of talking about everything Brendan Allen did right by shutting him down, mm-hmm. fucking tapping out a, I think a three time world champion or something like that. Like like a few time world champion in jujitsu. Like that was this a mm-hmm. big performance for a guy that you I just hope people are gonna care when it's on a fight Apex card. But what'd you think? <laughs> No, I thought it was a really great performance um, by uh, Allen, for sure. Um, I do think Moniz, a lot of this fight was in the stand-up. I, I think Moniz tried a couple takedowns, was unsuccessful. Uh, and Moniz was southpaw against a orthodox fighter. And I always think that style of matchup is always the most intriguing because the the power punches and kicks are going to be the ones that are open. So it's really up to these guys to kind of be able to utilize those which is difficult for an orthodox fighter because they probably don't see a lot of southpaw uh, when they're training and it does you know your angles are all completely different so it could be hard to adjust if you didn't train but both guys did really well um to munoz's credit he was more successful with his lead right hook um than he was with his left straight he threw some good kicks to the head and to the body 
I think the first two rounds were pretty close. I think Allen kind of took the second because I think he got a takedown in the second. And then the I third, right. I don't even remember, yeah, how he took, you know, how he got him down, but he was able to get him down, ultimately get his back. And Muniz seemed very unworried in, mm. in that moment, um, which was a little odd just because even if he was, he didn't feel threatened by the submission that ultimately finished the fight, I. He, he was a very the first round, I think, was really close. The second, I think Allen got it because of the I think the damage was fairly equal. So you give him the positioning um, and he just didn't make those adjustments to change where the fight was headed. And ultimately, you know, sir came to a real rear naked choke, which was surprising in and of its own right. And you have to give Allen a lot of credit, you know, uh, finishing out the show um, where he could have easily just rode out the back and probably got a decision here. Um, but overall, I thought it was a it was a pretty fun, interesting fight. Um and yeah. Oh, I lost you, buddy. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> oh, you're back now. You're back Sorry. now. Um, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a good feather in the cap for Allen to, to get that submission over someone like uh, Mooney's, who's just really been kind of tearing it up. But I would say that I do think there was a little shine was rubbed off a little bit when he fought Uriah Hall and really didn't show show that same ability to kind of force the submission. I think he mm. was able to take him down sometimes, but just wasn't able to do a lot when he got yeah. him down. So I think that maybe a warning sign it, a it little made, bit. Yeah. I mean, when you look at like Aaron Blanchfield, who we mm. saw the week prior and how she got on top in, in you know, I think that might have been mm. a couple weeks ago, but like she got on top and the, the fight was over before mm. it was over. Right. Like she just advanced and showed so much amplitude on the top. And, you know, with that fight, Rewire Hall, he didn't quite show that. And then this fight, you know, getting submitted you know in the last 30 seconds not a great look so i, th I think the luster has, has gone off him and then alan i think obviously probably i mean i don't know if the ring yeah I, I think yet, we gotta i think, I think we gotta um we gotta revisit you know sometimes the guy gets a win and you start looking at his record his record and you start being like we might have maybe to pay attention to what was going on here because in the ufc so after the contender series um he's Looks like he's nine and nine and two, right? And the losses are to Sean Strickland and Chris Curtis, and he got finished in both mm -hmm. of those. But those are not like, I mean, one of those guys is ranked top five, and I don't know what Chris Curtis is ranked, but I think he's still somewhere, like ranked somewhere, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying Brendan Allen's gonna be world champion, but he's 27 years old. He's getting better with every fight, it looks like. Um, he's at a really good gym down there in Florida with uh, at Sanford MMA with Henry Hooft and uh, those boys over there. Mm -hmm. Like, this guy might be, a, like, he might be around in, you know, back half of the top 10 we might be seeing him or, you know, 11 to 15. Well, you, I mean, you're saying he beat 11 right now, right? I think I think Munez was 11 or so, so he's probably ranked Let's now. And yeah, this hasn't been updated yet, but he was not ranked. But I mean, yeah, Curtis, Chris not. Curtis was fourteen. Darren Till's fifteen. Give him, give him Darren Till's spot. You can do that. Right. <laughs> sure. What are we doing? But I mean, I, I think Muniz, who was, I think eleven. He I'm was eleven. Sure. He probably Is... take a swap. Will steps down too. You know. Yeah, I think there'll be sh some shuffling. But yeah, this was a big win, right? And now, once you get that number on you, the competition, you're usually going to be fishing in, the, in that same general kind of pool. Not always the case. Muniz was fighting him. He wasn't ranked. You know, it's not like a guaranteed thing, but he, he's put himself there. Seems right? like we're and trying I to think... get Muniz a win. I'm not that we're trying to get him a win. I'm not necessarily because a gimme, but it was like, okay, well, the UFC is probably like, 
let's keep this fucking train going with this Muniz guy. You know, they saw they saw the same Uriah Hall fight you did probably. They're like, okay, well, maybe we don't push this any farther up right now, you know, with like who he's fighting next. We know we try to keep it at a certain level. So, um, Tatiana Suar- uh, Augusta Sakai and Dontae Mays. Honestly, it was just real boring. I remember this now. I remember thinking, man, Augusta mm-hmm. looks real soft. <laughs> not that, yeah. And look, I'm not the most in-shape guy in the world either. But sometimes I watch heavyweight MMA and I'm just like, this is such a lesser product at times, I feel, like, in every regard than the rest of M- other MMA weight classes. I don't know why. I feel that sometimes. Like, everybody's – they're all more skilled. <laughs> yeah, the, the skill level does seem lower because there's – you know, because of the extra weight, there's – a high likelihood of the smallest mistake or the a big hit landing and finishing the fight. Whereas you go in the, the lower weight classes, not a lot of guys can really lean on the power of being able to, to stop the fight with just one strike. Whereas heavyweight, that is kind of a big thing, right? It's like they have the weight behind them to really cause damage. And there's some appeal to that. But yeah, we've seen this division not be super skilled forward. I mean, there's still plenty of very skilled um, fighters in it. It's just, it seems like if you're going to, if there's ever a division, you're going to get a fight like this. This is the division where it's going to happen sometimes. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, and you get, you get stinkers across the board. But, yeah, I, I do think heavyweight, sometimes you, you get these a little bit more often. Yeah, and we got, but then again, you know, it seems like we got a nice – the top's looking a little bit more interesting than it has in recent years. Sure, So, yeah. But really cool if they kept that, you know, that big dude from Cameroon who was knocking everybody out, who looked like a goddamn Greek god standing there, maybe. Could have kept him around, made it even more interesting. Um, Tatiana Suarez, Montella de, Ros- de la Rosa. First, I want to thank Miss Suarez for saving my wallet in that second round submission. It was very helpful. Marcus, mm-hmm. I think when we were talking about this fight, because last week I presented to you guys who's going to take the belt off Valentina, and I listed Aaron Blanchfield, Lexa Grasso, Tatiana, and I think I said like just her giving it up, right? That was the other one. I've been working under the assumption that Tatiana took this flight at flyweight because she just has gotten older and she thinks she needs to fight at a higher weight class. We learned it was no. She just wanted to not have to worry about a weight cut and mm. just get in the fucking make it to a cage fight after four years. Um, definitely looked like the smaller fighter in this one, but for a f- someone who hasn't fought in almost four years, pretty good performance, I'd say. What do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she ultimately won and she was in control of the fight. Now, I have to give a lot of respect to De La Rosa, who mm. I think made it difficult every step of the way she was not easy to take down i think that's somewhere where um tatiana looked really strong i think in her first takedown she got a single um but she had to work for it i think when they first clinched up de la rosa had a really tight over under clinch she clapped collapsed her hands and then what i liked with tatiana although she did ultimately score the um the head and arm takedown in the second she used that in the clinch to kind of break up de la rosa's grip and then was able to get her to the cage do the single and I mean, what I like about that is like when we talked previously about Aaron Blanchfield, you know, Aaron had trouble with Jessica Andrade, who is a very strong opponent in in and of her own right. When she got into these positions where like she had to make two or three more adjustments to finish the takedown, she had to cut angles, triple leg out, and she wasn't able to do that. She was ultimately able to get the takedown when she made it once with mo- motion, which is the best way. Like if you can you know, get a body lock and trip the leg and get them down really quickly. That's better than getting them against the cage with a single, having to adjust to a double, throwing out different angles. It takes a lot of energy to do that. Um, but that's what Tatiana was able to do. She was able to make some adjustments, use a lot of different angles in the clips to finish the takedown. And again, to De La Rosa's credit, she was able to get back up. She was hard to take down again. I think she, Tatiana got her back 
And it was really impressive because she it was a, kind of a similar situation with Blanche and Jessica and Draws where De La Rosa was building back to her base to stand up. And Tatiana also kind of got what the seatbelt is where you have an underhook and mm-hmm. an overhook and you're able to class on to, to, you know, not fall off. But she was like she didn't have hooks in. She was balancing. She was way too high. She was purely just balancing not to get shook off. I think eventually she did. Uh, but that showed good balance. And ultimately, you know, she was able to scramble, get a head and arm choke. And again, De La Rosa, not making it easy whatsoever, tried multiple techniques where she tried uh, uh, tripoding to alleviate the pressure. She tried, you know, sitting up and cross facing her to break the hold. And ultimately, None of it worked. Um, you know, Tatiana knew she had a good, strong head and arm uh, guillotine in and just squeezed until she got the finish. But, you know, for me, it was a good refresher for Tatiana to show that, like, yeah, she's at this high level where she's fighting an opponent that's, you know, bigger, stronger than her, but also has a really high applement for grappling and was still able to catch her. Right. Like, I think she, she was ranked and or not. I don't I don't remember. I don't think she was and her record's not impressive. Right. No, no, uh, she's a real five hundred. She's a five hundred. Yeah, she's not ranked. Okay, but she's, she's, a, she's, she's a vet. She, she knows she she'll get you. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. 12, 12, 7, and one going into this. So I think that in and of itself kind of plays. You look at someone who's ten and zero, who's kind of burning it up, and then someone who's you know not at five hundred, but is kind of hovering around that area. And it was easy to think that Suarez, even with a, a break, should cut right through her. But you know, De La Rosa really put up a good fight. She really made her work for every position, but ultimately did succumb. So it was a good performance by Tatiana. Um, but it will be much more interesting to see her at 115. If she yeah. can cut the weight and look strong, I think she's going to have some advantages there. Yeah, Dana White, Dana White was really impressed, which is important, honestly. And Dana White knows what sure. he has here. I, mean, I think they all know what they have here because people were calling her like Lady Khabib when she was taking people out back in like back four years ago. Like mm-hmm. these, these fights weren't close. You know, she was taking women down, beating the crap out of them, and I'm pretty sure she was finishing most of them, I think, on the way there. Yeah, but she finished Carla. She finished Grasso. You got two, got a champion and a title contender, those two. Mm-hmm. Nina Ansarov went to decision with her, or Nina Nunes now. That was her last fight. She was already fighting people that good. So right. let's just talk about what do you, how many do we make her go through? Like, what do you get? She wants Rose, which I'm going to tell you this right now. They're not going to do that because that's, they say, they, they save that for if like she wins a championship and then she fights Rose. You know what I mean? That's what I think personally. Like, I don't think they're going to make a fight Rose right now, but maybe they will. But what if she beats Rose? Obviously, she gets a title shot. But I'm saying, do mm-hmm. you think they do that? Throw her, let's just fucking see. Um, yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. it, I don't know what other contenders are out there. I think Rose is a good call out because I think it does kind of, signify that like i am ready for championship level caliber Here, here's the top five by the way let's okay. go carla's yeah. number one ranked okay number two she already beat her finished right. her not close number two rose namayunas number three mm-hmm. amanda lemos number four marina rodriguez i like that one and number five is jonan yan number six is jessica andraj who's still is still ranked at 115 um mm-hmm. and then seven is Mackenzie dern Mackenzie and Derner her would be fun just for like let's just see what happens. But um mm-hmm. I like her and Rodriguez. I like her and Lemos. Mm-hmm. I like I like all of yep. them, honestly. Not Carla, because it's not necessary. But what do you think? Agreed. I I'm I'm in the same headspace as you. Like I don't necessarily need to see her and Carla run it back. I'm sure that'd be 
Tatiana would be thrilled about that, you know, because I think she knows Carla's gotten better to some extent. I think since they fought, I think her stand-up has gotten a little bit better, but I think stylistically it doesn't favor Carla, right? Mm -hmm. When you have someone that's superior in what you're good at, I think it'd be a difficult fight for her. And and there's a lot of more interesting matchups at this weight division that I'd like to see her go. Lemos was definitely one of them that you said, but like for the most part, these are all interesting matchups, and I think she's worthy of combating against a top 10 person and seeing, you know, if she wins there, then you could talk about Rose or, you know, someone else who's maybe entitled contention at that point. They do like an elimination kind of fight. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, when she fights next, who her opponent's going to be and how she does in that fight at 115, where I would imagine as long as the weight cut goes well and she's healthy, she should be, you know, a much stronger fighter at that weight division. So it's she's always been an interesting prospect. The time away hasn't really diminished that too much. Yeah, um, I think we just we gotta just let's not waste time here. You know what I mean? We lost four years of her prime, three and a half years of this woman's prime. Like, I'm let's, sure let's go. she's in the same headspace where she's like, "Yeah, let's let's do a big fight now, and then if I win that, let's do." You know what, man? And I'm that, sure she wants a title elimination. She, kind of she's dating Patchy Mix. Patty Mix. Patchy Mix is about to face Rafion uh, Stotts. Rafion Stotts, not Rafion. Rafion Stotts for the interim Bellator Bellator, Bellator bantamweight title. Meaning he's going to get a title shot if he wins that thing. We're trying to bring gold to this relationship. Think about the power couple dynamics here, Mark. Interpromotional belts we could get going on here. Champions yeah, into promotion. It doesn't I don't matter. Think, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 we know who Patchy is. I mean, I've seen the yeah, Patchy's before, real good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I just don't think like it's going to give him much sway because I don't. People just don't respect yeah. Bellator as much as they should. You know what? I think we could talk about it after we talk about that fight. But like, uh, Bellator can lay claim to something. Like, hey man, our champion might be better than your champion in a couple weight classes. Yeah, that out I there. You can make that argument. Um, all right. Um, Mike Malott, quick finish, arm triangle choke in the first round. That was fun while it lasted. Trevor Peak, man, went into this fight with eight knockouts and eight fights. Marcus. Got at ninth. Well, knockout. He has nine fights. He has a no contest this, in there, but oh, he does. Okay, my bad. No worries. But this was his ninth knockout, though. I think wasn't it? I don't know. What the okay. name. I'm just looking whatever. At the stats Trevor here. Peaks yeah. knocked a man out with standing hammer fists. Mark, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was, a, it was floppy, but it still got the job done. <laughs> um, I mean, you don't see a lot of strikes at this level like that. It's very much that was an old Bob Sapp tactic, mm-hmm. you know, when he was doing K one. And was ridiculed for it, basically saying that he looked like it was a drunk sorority girl fight when he's throwing those hammer fists and stuff. It's not something that I think any coach would train you on throwing, but hey, you can't, you know, you can't fault the results. He got another KO, so it's working for him. I was watching also the Joe Selecki fight because he was a I had a financial interest in it. He looked really good. It was a huge favorite. He was like a minus like five, six hundred favorite. And I'm like, how is there a guy who's minus five, six hundred on the other card? This level of favorite, um, he ran through. Uh, he ran through that dude though, through Jared, through Carl Deaton. Um, his only UFC loss so far is to Jared Gordon. So okay. Anyway, this was a uh, main event going out. Kind of sucked. I'll be honest. The main event going out kind of sucked. I don't know how much people were paying attention to this in general though. So sure, yes. Yeah. Kind of. Then again, I mean, it was kind of a dead weekend in sports. This would have been a good weekend for the pay per view. There, I mean, we're probably going to talk about it next. There was a lot of combat sports this weekend in multiple mm. different organizations. Yeah. So you did have your pick, but UFC is kind of 
the top dog here. So yeah, it, it was an interesting card before that one left off, and it did lose a little luster. But you know, the few fights I watched, uh, one championship so. went out there. You you know how much I love the the prime ones, so I don't got to talk about that again. How much I love mm-hmm. them. Um, kind of cool that they were in a uh, in a ring. Right. And mm-hmm. I thought it was because they're in Indonesia, and I'm reading, and they weren't in Indonesia, so I don't know. What no, that whole they f- were they were in Thailand. I don't know what the arena is called. Lumpini. Like lip- Lum- yeah, Lumpini, and I, yeah, that's and that's like a big famous Muay Thai. Okay, well, the way they were, I think I got confused because they were talking about oh the history of the Indonesian whatever arena because Chotri went out there and was talking about you know the guy running one was talking about how you know much he loves Indonesia and he grew up there and yada yada yada, you know, and I called Chotri the uh, ones. Dana White, and I felt bad about it afterwards. Because sure. he's as much as a liar sure. as Dana White. He might be more of a liar than Dana White. But, like, because some of the stuff he says. Woo! Um, but, uh, yeah, some of the other stuff. I don't know if he's done other stuff. Um, sure. Fabricio Andrade. Him and John Lineker pick right back up, man. That first fight was a lot mm-hmm. of fun. This fight was a lot of fun. John Lineker's too small to be fighting at this weight class. Right? Like, what are we doing? I don't, I don't get it. I know he doesn't like cutting weight, Mark, but, like, He's so good. Why does he do this I mean, to himself? I mean, it's not only does like he doesn't like cutting <coughs> weight. He's had issues making the weight, mm-hmm. right? So I, maybe that's a bigger thing where the organization does not want to give him opportunities. They don't think he'll be able to fulfill. That all being said, um, and I'm going to ring you know the same things that you always say about one. Um, they rarely don't deliver. Mm-hmm. Like this was on paper. This was going to be an interesting rematch. And for the vast majority of fights that I've watched in one, they're always exciting. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think you've been a big champion of them and have always said, you know, we've always tried to, you know, include them in fights coming up and put a spotlight on them. But a- again, every time I've watched a one fight card or just a fight, like I'm never disappointed. I don't mm. think I've personally seen a boring fight. Now, you know, I don't see a the, lot the of them. The one so mistake sure is still, of course, their debut on TNT when everything that could go wrong went yeah, wrong in one and night. I didn't watch yeah. and I didn't watch those but like I've been thoroughly every time I tune in I've been thoroughly impressed whether and again like I, a lot of the stuff you've been saying before like I think it's really cool how they've diversified what their events are with Muay Thai with regular kickboxing with submission grappling and MMA I do think that all kind of like bleeds into each other and it makes it for an interesting product that all being said this was a fantastic fight um John Lineker made some of the adjustments that he needed to make to yep. be more successful. He tried to implement grappling a bit more. And then even just getting in the pocket and throwing big punches, you know, he was able to do that multiple times throughout the fight, hurt his opponent, dropped him a few times. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, and I forget his name, cause it's not right in front of me. Was it Andrage? Yeah. Was Andrage. His last name? Fabricio Andrage. Andrage is a really crafty stand-up fighter that had a lot of physical advantages over Lineker, especially when it comes to the range and catching him coming in and coming out. Um, but it was just a really fun fight back and forth. And, you know, I, I don't think at the end of the year, this will be like the fight of the year. And if it is, it'll be, you know, it, this would have been a, a fairly poor year in fights if this ends up being like the best. But like when I was watching, I was like, this has a lot of the makings of what I want to see in, you know, a fight of the year where both guys have their moments. They're really going after it the whole time. This was a fight where the rounds melted away. You know, the, that, those five minutes went by so fast because these guys were just going the whole time. I thoroughly enjoyed this fight a lot. I thought it was really fun. It was anticlimactic. Um, 
the corner stopped the fight in between the fourth and fifth rounds, which I think was the right call. Yeah, f- uh, shout out to Alex Davis, man. Actually, care. Alex Davis is also a lot manager of, and slash translator for a lot of these guys, by the way, Marcus. Mm-hmm. And he really, he's like one of the guys in Bigfoot's corner always. And he's he left, he said, because he couldn't agree with what Bigfoot's doing anymore, where he's still trying. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail it, but he's a good dude. No. He's a really good dude. Yeah, it was the right call. I mean, look, could Lineker like physically have come out for the fifth? Yeah, he could. What would that have ultimately led to? More damage. He would have lost the fight. You know, there was very little chance, even with someone that was as heavy-handed as Lineker is, like he just didn't have the gas tank anymore to be able to do the things he needed to do to potentially win. And there was just more punishment coming his way. So yeah, I think it was the right call. It did make it a little anticlimactic, but I'd rather see that and have John Lineker be okay than to get three more minutes of action where he's just getting pummeled and beaten, you know, to a bloody Do you, do you think we can so, do it a third time? That one? Potentially. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't know what the rest of the division is like. I don't think it should be an immediate yeah. Trilogy. Let let the guy defend his belt against somebody else. But if Lineker, you know, is able to maintain his spot in the pecking order, I think they could do it a third time because there is some kind of like histrionics there with you know the low blow and then this being a clean win. He still took a low blow. He took a low blow in this one too, and then he did. It didn't make it much longer after that. It felt like yeah. Um, Um, That was was good. That was good. I think one is back. I don't know when's the next time they're on Amazon. Because those are the only ones I watch. I know those are get, the big ones. Yeah, they do knew, stuff often, though. I know um, we're going, we're getting to the U.S. card soon. Their uh, their UFC, their mm-hmm. U.S. debut is going to be um, in Broomfield, Colorado, with Mighty okay. Mouse against. I know it's Broomfield because I don't know why, but it's um, it's going to be with Mighty Mouse and um, I feel bad not saying his not getting his name right. He's so good. He knocked out Mighty Mouse, and Mighty Mouse knocked him out. Oh, they're doing the trilogy. The trilogy. I don't know that guy's name either. I God, he's, in front he's of me. really. He's like. I feel bad. He's like legitimately good. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good fight to bring over, though. I think that's. I, that's I wonder a smart if move. are you going to be able to knee dudes in the head on the ground in Colorado? Ooh, probably not. Yeah, probably yeah, not. Why not, man? They, they actually. They I think good rules a, in one. Adriano Moraes. Well, My bad, Adriano Moraes. Right, yeah. Moraes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's at an Indian casino that's not under the jurisdiction of the Athletic Commission, then potentially they could have a different rule set. Um, but they want to go. They want to be in the U.S. and they want to like do cards in the U.S. They're going to have to make it work, whatever the U.S. cards want. Yeah, the I think it's want. unfortunate because I do feel like that rule set makes for an interesting fight, and and particularly with this trilogy, that's how both fights have finished is with knees technically on the ground. Um, so it's interesting, but that's one of the things that's also kind of fun about one is, I mean, I like their general rule set, but like this fight was in a cage. So, I mean, sorry, this fight, this last fight we fought South Lineker was in a cage, uh, was in a ring. The first fight they had was in a cage that changes a lot. Yeah. In like how a fight is played and how you can corner your opponent in a corner much easier than you can in, yeah. in a ring. It seemed like octagon. A, yeah. It seemed like it was helping Lineker out. This one, I really thought it was helping him out because that's sure. the way yeah. it does work. It's, it's easy to trap as the guy that's going forward. It's easy to trap someone in a corner than in a, a yeah. cage where the angles aren't as you know sharp. All right, picking up the pace a little bit here. One that was a good. That was a, I saw the uh, couple fights before that too. Martin Wynn and Leonardo Casati was pretty good also. So uh, Bellator had a card. Um, just want to give some flowers out to uh, Mr. Yaroslav Amasov, man. Uh, Yaroslav Amasov, you should know his story. He's 26-0, Bellator welterweight champion of the world. 
Um, kick Douglas Lima's ass. That's how that's how he became world champion. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, that's really hard to do. We are. I think everybody in this. I think all of us in the podcast have talked about how good Douglas Lima is. You know, and uh, some of his prime probably well, it's gone now. But he really gave Bell tour it all there. Um, Yaroslav had not fought since winning his championship because he went and fought and defended his home country, his homeland, after the uh, unjustified uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russian forces. Yaroslav right. was one of the guys who went back home to defend his homeland. And um, was he meantime- the one that had his belt like buried in his house? Right, and he went, when he went back, it was, was that like, him? He like was able. I thought I, was that him? Was, that might be I honestly him. don't know. He, I mean, he's such a good fighter. Twenty nine years old, twenty seven when he won this world championship. Um, so in the meantime, Logan Storley won the welterweight champion, won the interim welterweight championship. Um, taken out. Uh, I think MVP might. Did MVP win it first? Whatever he when he fought MVP at the mm-hmm. end of the night, he was the welterweight interim welterweight champion. Wrestling heavy attack, um, but uh, a man who'd only suffered one loss in his career, which is a split to Mr. Amosov himself. So we got the rematch this past weekend, and they really gave Yaroslav all the, you know, you got to talk about what he did and what he gave up to do that. And sure. his teammate, Johnny Eblum, the Bellator middleweight, cha- middleweight champion, was on the broadcast right before getting emotional, talking about how much respect he has for his teammate and all that stuff. And He's like, none of this matters. He says, none of this matters. We're fighting for sport. He was fighting for his life and his family. And I'm like, anyway, uh, he's awesome. He's a very good fighter. Not the most exciting at times. This one, you know, in fairness to him, he's got 19 finishes and 27 wins. But went to decision here, his third straight decision. Very technical fight, but he just took care of business over five rounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Said he's the best welterweight in the world. Shit, he might be. I mean... Is he better than Leon Edwards? Maybe. Is he better than Kamar Usman? Maybe. Is he better than Shafkat Rachmanov? Nobody's better than Shafkat Rachmanov, Mark. A man is coming to end of dreams for everybody I mean, yeah, on 170. Sure seems like it. Um, anyway, I really, uh, it was just, you know, nice moment for him. And uh, yeah, man, they got some dudes, man. They got some young dudes holding titles in Bellator that are very good. Between him and you got Eblem and you got... Uh, Serge down there. Sergio Pettis has become a much more complete fighter. They have Horaguchi hanging out down there. Good stuff. And fucking uh, Baby Fedor is the light heavyweight champion. So Bellator's got their future looking good. You know, just, you know, yeah. promote more of these guys, man. I like this. Promote these guys. You know, Pride died. Pride's over. It's dead. It died again. This is a couple weeks ago. It's all gone. I mean, I would even argue that they weren't like really promoting those guys. They just kind of were well known enough that yeah, like, just people like, had some clamor. I know they're for sale. I know Bellator's for sale. There's the, that's the word on the street, and I don't know. Showtime yeah. is. I mean, might be going to uh, Paramount or something. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're not we're not in the industry like that. I don't know what UFC or Bellator could do to like promote these guys more. I mean, UFC is a little bit easier because they're so much, they're so big and they're they're owned by a talent agency. You would think there'd be more cross pollination with like some of the other people they do business with like Conan. Why, why, why isn't there any UFC fighter on Conan needs a friend, right? So mm. like, why not like push some of these Dan Housen got on Conan needs a friend and he was an independent wrestler. We can't get a UFC yeah. champion on something. So it's just, it's just one of these things <laughs> to oh, God. No, I'm breaking up again. They're back um, now. 
okay, I know it's easy to uh, say like it needs more promotion. What that actually entails and how you do it, I don't really know. Um, but yeah, they 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 have a good like you said, they have a good roster. They have worthy champions that are at the highest caliber of talent in this sport. Um, and I think it needs to be recognized. So yeah, they don't have, I'm not saying they need to catch up to the UFC entirely. It's not going to happen. It's just in order, it's not going to happen anymore. It's fine. Right. But just be there and you know make your shows interesting. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, don't give me UFC light. That's all I'm asking from everybody, Mark. Don't give me UFC light. All right, we're already 40 minutes into the podcast. Let's talk about UFC 285. Logan Paul fought. Or the other Paul fought. Jake Paul fight. It wasn't good. And they're going to fight no. again, maybe. So we'll talk about it then if it happens. Um, sure. All right, uh, UFC 285. We're in Vegas. This card's fucking stacked. Um, let's get into it. John Jones, Cyril gone. Um, the closest fight on the betting lines um where we got Mr. Jones coming into this one um as the favorite I don't think I've ever seen John Jones he's been this little of a favorite we're down to I got I, I over I got a bad price minus 155 for John Jones I got them at 170 one minus 155 for John Jones plus 135 for Cyril gone last time we saw John Jones I mean well <laughs> the world is a different place Mark the world was a different place. Um, sure, yeah. It was a month before COVID. February 2020. Um, he beat... It's a strong word, but on the scoreboards, he defeated Dominic Reyes. Um, his second straight pretty uninspired performance, I'd say. I think both that fight and Diago Santos fights... I mean, mm-hmm. we've been in a couple fights now where John was kind of lollygagging. It felt like those were two where you're like, yo, one of these... Du- one fight, this dude has no ACLs. The other one, you might have given this away. Like, what are we doing here? Anyway, mm-hmm. haven't seen him fight in three years now. Cyril Gon, last time we saw him, was uh, having a pretty entertaining fight with Tai Tuivasa. Uh, let Tai crack, crack him a couple times, but came back and mm-hmm. took care of business. Um, again, John Jones is coming in as a slight favorite. Um, Mike's picked John Jones. Uh, Marcus, you got the thing up, the article. Fill out, please. Um, I do. By the way, you can always check our picks, even if you don't. If you miss the podcast ever, which makes us feel bad, because that's really all this is at this point in podcast. But if you want to know our picks, and you're curious. It's amazing. Where we are in the standings? Yeah. yeah, you can check the standings where we you are. You can also now. find who's, who's uh, in the lead? links to direct links to the website if you want. I did a, a podcast too. It's amazing.com. Um, Mark pick John, uh, Mike pick John Jones. I'm picking John Jones. Mark, I am. I ain't never seen John Jones lose a fight. I mean, I saw him. I mean, I got DQ'd in one, but you know what I mean? Besides that, I never seen him lose a fight. Um, and until that happens, I will not be picking against him in fights. And also, I know it's been two, three years since he fought. I know this, I know he hasn't fought super in the last fucking four or five fights, probably. Mm-hmm. Pretty much got bored after Cormier, if it sounds like, to be honest. Uh, as his personal life devolved farther, farther into chaos and. This we're already 40 minutes in. We don't have time to get into that. But he's got his whole life as a mess, too, anyway. Um, I know all that's true. I know Cyril Gaon is a very good fighter. I know Cyril Gaon is a very technical fighter. Cyril Gaon got taken down at will by a man with a torn ACL who doesn't know how to wrestle. Right? We all saw that. And mm-hmm. then I'm sure he's worked on it since then. But the next fight they gave me was Tai Tuivasa. And I didn't see anything in that one either. I, I'm not gonna. I mean, I don't think John Jones ever gonna be this slight of a favorite ever again in any fight. Like I, I this is. I'm going John Jones. I can't pick against him. Mark, who do you got? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I am going with Jones too, but I, you know, like you said, there's reasons to believe that he may not perform particularly well in this fight. Um, I don't, I don't think that will be the case, but he is moving up to heavyweight, which is something he's been. I don't think definitely not scared to do, but has been tactical. He didn't want to do it in a rush. He wanted to do it the correct way. He wanted to bulk up. So having this time off allowed him to do that. I mean, we saw, you know, during his last fight, the guys really put on a lot of muscle, which is kind of what he needed to do. He needed to put more weight on to be able to compete with these much larger guys. So there's that end of it. You know, how does he compete at heavyweight? How does he deal? I think probably the most interesting question is like how does he deal with these guys that have similar attributes that he does because at 205 there weren't a lot of guys that had the reach the height that he had and he was able to utilize that advantage very well against most of his opponents when his opponents did you know structurally physically have some similarities with him where it was um Gustafson or i don't even know how dominic Reyes, like where his reach was at He's pretty he fucking struggled. tall. We know that at least. Yeah. <laughs> he struggled with these guys, right? Like those were the fights where he had to dig deeper than he usually had to. Or, and, you know, some people think that, you know, with the Reyes fight that he potentially lost. Now, Cyril Gone is a big guy who has long reach and arms. You know, how is he going to compete with that? I think you bring up a fantastic point that we saw um, Francis Naganu able to take down Cyril Gane fairly easily in their fight and basically won the fight off of wrestling. Now, when you, you know, compare that to John Jones, who I would say is a much better wrestler. And I would say his top game is probably his most underutilized strength that he has. Um, it should be fairly easy to pick John Jones, but I think the the caveat there is that he's fought other opponents recently where he hasn't done that. He, I think he would have dominated Ray's, much more so if he was able to take it. I think I think if he takes anyone down, he has a high, high likelihood of finishing them. Whether it is off of ground and pound, which he has spectacular elbows off the top. He's brutal down there. I think he has some of the meanest ground and pound. Did he finish Anthony too, Smith like that? How did he finish Anthony? You remember, I remember Gus. I he got remember. Gus on the ground and beat Gus's ass like that. But Yeah. I don't remember the Anthony Smith fight super well, to be completely yeah, I'm trying, honest. I, thought maybe, but, I remember Anthony on his back, but I don't know if he got like dropped and TKO'd or we were just done here. Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't remember. It's I've been too you long. Off. Sorry, man. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, I mean, that's something that I think if we watch this, if, when we're watching this fight and Jones takes him down, like that potentially really could be curtains. Decision I think loss, that's his, by the way, for Anthony. I missed the fight entirely. I forgot the fight entirely. Got right. Like I, yeah, I wasn't thinking that he, again, like I think that was another fight where if he would have taken him down, he could have done a lot of damage. I mean, we, I think one of the fights I look back on is when he fought Belford, right? And I think like he got Belford down. Belford almost got him in an arm bar. Mm -hmm. And then once he like almost got submitted, he's like, oh, fuck this shit. I'm beating the shit he out of this guy. It. And he finished him. He popped the arm too. Like, he, yeah, he and hurt I mean, him. That's the thing is, I think when Jones gets pushed and can retaliate when he's on the ground, he's you know, one of the meanest guys out there. And it's not just his ground and pound. It's also like his submission game is top. And we just haven't seen that. A lot of his fights have been contested in the standup where I, I feel like that's always been kind of his weakest attribute is like he's competent on the standup. He has a lot of natural ability because of his, his reach and his, 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 the length of his kicks, but he doesn't utilize that stuff nearly as well as he could. And I feel like a lot of these fights have been close because they've been stand-up fights, and he's allowing the other guy to... Man, the, um, that Team Jackson, a little oblique kick, right? Mm -hmm. 
he's going to face a guy who has a 0% chance of taking him down or grabbing that leg even. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Sorrell's going to eat, like, 10 of those, right? Like, what am I? I'm just thinking this out loud. I'm like, I just realized this right now in my head. I'm like, he's going to throw that at, at will if they're standing, right? Like, I mean, it's it's a technique that a lot of people just don't use. And it'll be interesting to see how Cyril Gon is able to see those coming, how he's going to defend against them. Because, you know, if he's been training it and he's looking out for it, that could be a trap, right? Because it is it is a sidekick to the knee. If you're using lateral movement, you could potentially get out of the way and it could lead to angles where he could counter off of it. Um, but if John's scoring with it, it could cause serious injury. It could be something that he's not trained against. So there's some caveats to a stand-up game. He does a lot of things in the stand-up that is interesting. He utilizes standing elbows a lot. He utilized it really well against Rashad, Rashad Evans years ago. Um, but just in a pure stand-up game, you have to think Cyril Gaon is going to have be the more technical, skilled guy um, in there. So that could be tough. But you know, I do hope we see a John Jones that is going to utilize his whole asset of mixed martial arts abilities because when he does, he has proven himself to be the best pound-for-pound fighter. And I do feel something he's lacked in his other fights is I don't think he was very motivated. I don't think he was motivated to fight a lot of these guys that I personally didn't think were of his caliber. I don't think he thought he, they were of his caliber. I don't think he trained properly. I think he knows going up to heavyweight is a big step forward because it's not just upping your division by 10 pounds. You're upping your division potentially by 60 pounds, right? These guys can come in 60 pounds heavier at weigh-in than they could at light heavyweight Dude, he, and he, then also bulk up. He's lost John's everything. not one of those guys. What's he's that? lost everything. He's He has so much now. Like, he, he, like everything's different now. He lost his family. He got kicked out of Jackson Wink. He, uh, he, uh, him and Malky separated. Is mm-hmm. this is like uh, we're back to square one with this dude? It feels I don't know. Like this is we're gonna get a lot of answers, man. Like yeah, there's a lot of that, answers. <laughs> those are a lot of interesting mm. personal points, mm. and I think you're right. He could be feeling a little low on himself, mm. but also I think he knows. Like I win this fight, I gain everything back, right? Hey, no, one say, no one's saying a fucking word about what happened in Vegas. I mean, no, like, no I mean, one's saying it's, a it's word. By now. <laughs> yeah. No one's talking about Dana slapping his wife in Mexico. It, it's, you know, after a month, it's it's old news. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's a ton of intrigue in this fight. It, and a lot of it has to go, revolves around John Jones. I mean, look, we were talking about pound for pound the best fighters a couple weeks ago. John Jones is clearly in that same landscape where he's never really legitimately lost a fight. He's making a huge move up. To heavyweight which we've all been anticipating for a long time i anticipate that he'll be highly motivated for this fight i think he's definitely put in the time training i would hope mm-hmm. um and we potentially could see you know a new version of one of the best fighters to ever compete in this sport or if we don't you know he could be in serious trouble against gone so it's it's very intriguing it's very interesting i'm excited to see how this plays out gone a gone victory i am picking jones by yeah the way. a gone victory um is that is that a finish? You think in a gone in a gone victory? No, I don't think, think so. You, not necessarily. Not that he needs to, but what in your in your head, if gone was to win this, does he finish him or is it just a decision? I can I, easily I th- see him getting a decision. I think I think he just pick him apart over five rounds. Yeah. But gone gone think- gone finishes motherfuckers. There's that too. Like he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. When when the guys get tired, especially in heavyweight, when they get tired, he can put the heat on. But he's he's very technical in a lot of these previous John Jones fights. They've been close. Right. And if you're just going to strike with this guy, 
it's going to be a very difficult fight to win. You, you know, re Jones. real talk, John Jones, I'm not his coach, but me personally, you make Cyril grapple in the first round. You make him, you put I, your weight on him, you push him again. You Because when Cyril has to grapple, the energy he had, because that was the third round when, Sir, when Francis took him down, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. That was just one round of it. By the time the, he went to the corner for the fourth round, we all looked and we're like, oh, he's fucking gassed. Like he was done then. Like he was too, he couldn't get up. Yeah, Two more I mean, it's, like, he doesn't have there's grappling numerous, stamina. <laughs> there's so many benefits for him to utilize his grappling in this fight. I mean, he gets on top and of I him. Think, it's Foxville, is what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I think to your point, like, yeah, just initiating grappling exchanges, even if it's just in the clinch against the cage, that's going to wear him down because you're you're right. As someone that has done kickboxing for as long as Cyril Gane is, he knows how to pace himself in a striking match. He knows when to, you know, push the pace, sit down on punches, throw hard leg kicks when to throw setup punches, kicks. When it comes to grappling, for someone who's not as used to it, it's very easy to overexert yourself, to really fight not getting taken down, to you know, try to outmuscle yourself when you're doing a wizard fighting an underhook. Right? And these are things that John Jones should be very strong at, so he should be able to utilize small movements to get Cyril gone, to think he's doing one thing, overexert himself, and kind of wear him out that way. And of course, he gets him on the ground, the, the whole game changes so yeah it's a very intriguing fight i'm very excited to see what john jones does at heavyweight i think gone is a interesting opponent for him to face first it's a good testing measurement for him and then we'll see where he goes from here if he wins yeah i'm, I'm jazzed for this man i the jones is you know he's the if he's not your number one all time it's his own fault <laughs> we're all saying sure, it's his own sure. fault we're all saying it's basically his fault we're like well what do you want to i mean well, I, I would be critical and say his last couple performances haven't been very inspired. I mean, at least he fucking it seems won, like he's though, been saying. in. He still, still won. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and it uh, sounds like the rules changed on S Pico Grant. I, long story short, the no contest okay. to Cormier <laughs> basically should be would have been a would have be a not be a loss, not would not mm -hmm. be a no contest in this, you know. Right. Which I get people want to go back and change stuff, but like at the time you broke the rule. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, the rule changed now. Also, okay, whatever, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys got no contest for marijuana. So, it's like, if you know. Hey, man, now it's legal, if I got a speeding again. ticket for going 45 and a 35, and then they change the road later to make it a 50-mile-per-hour zone, if I go back, they're not going to give me my money back. No. Right? Yeah. They're not, right? Okay. Just so we're clear. There's a bunch of dudes in jail for weed who have questions. About the current legal yeah, system. Valid, valid, but still, yeah, when you were caught when it was not kosher. Yeah. So um, there you go. <coughs> Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso. Um, I don't want to be dismissive of the. I'm not being dismissive, but we've talked about this fight about three times in the la last three podcasts because it's come up naturally. Um, I think I think we are all looking past this fight for Valentina. There's Amanda. There's Aaron Blanchfield. There's Talia Santos. There's uh, Manon Farot. There's some stuff out there, man. And not one of us thinks. I mean, I'm gonna say this right now. I got Alexa Grasso. I got. I got. Sorry, I got Valentina Shevchenko. You got Valentina Shevchenko. Mm -hmm. Mike's got Valentina Shevchenko. We all got Valentina Shevchenko. Not being dismissive, but I just. I'm just gonna. I'm picking Valentina, and I don't know where Alexa's better than her. Maybe pure hands. She's better than her. But I don't think she hits harder than her either. So Alexa goes to the decision a lot, man. I don't know how she wins this fight. Just straight up. That's why I got Valentina. Who do you got? 
Yeah, similarly, you know, um, the style matchup does not favor her, you know, I think in this. Uh, so I think Valentina is the easy pick. If Grosso wins, I would be very pleased. You know, like we said, we've had our eye on Alexa Grosso. I think we're all fans of her. Um, she's a very good fighter. I just feel like stylistically she does not match up with Valentina very well. Boxing in and of itself is difficult because, you know, if you can't get on the inside and really work those things, um, it's hard not to get picked apart from the outside with kicks, which Valentina is very good at. She has good hands. Um, and then obviously the ground game if it comes to that, I do think Valentina is a little better, but I do think this will mostly be a kickboxing match. And, you know, it, to some degree, that plays to Grosso's strengths. You know, she's probably better stand up any than anywhere else in the game, but it is hard to imagine um, her catching Valentina with a shot. But, you know, that'd be a huge upset if she, she she's did. She's very tough, though. I mean, I, I wouldn't be so sure. If she made it to the end of this fight, I wouldn't be shocked. I, if I had to guess, though, I think it, it's going to end inside the distance. If I had to guess, that's a long time to not avoid Valentina with takedowns. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I doubt, I, it could go either way. I don't Valentina know if she's might try taking. Yeah, I, I do see a decision. I think Valentina. I think she knows where she's at in her career. She has been a dominant reigning champion, and I think when you get yourself in this position, you do become less risk averse. I mean, right? she like got three, she got two going. finishes in her last three fights, though. I mean, she she don't she, she I mean, got a split with Talia, but she smashed Lauren Murphy, smashed Jessica Andrade. I mean, the Andrade fight was interesting. Um, the Murphy fight, I think she just and I there's been a couple of fights where I just think like the talent between the two has been too big for them. You know, not oh, you mean she was much chasing a finish as much as she's like, I'm too good for this fight to continue. Basically, as much as like she's just she's just doing her techniques, and the opponents were not did not have the skill to. You know, not get head kick like Jessica I. Um, and Lauren Murphy's extremely tough, but there's only so much a person can take. So, um, but yeah, it, it'll be, I think it'll be why a do fun we feel, fight. Why do we feel that way about like five different Lauren Murphy fights <laughs> at this point? She, she's she's tough as um, nails, but you know, this is the the Mexican UFC prophecy could come to be this year, man. There was four. Well, at one point, we, we still don't know what's going on with Adrian Aldana and Amanda Nunes, but right, uh, we had at least three confirmed title fights. Brandon Moreno took one of those belts. Yaya Rodriguez took another belt. Mm -hmm. Alexa could be the third. And the seeds are sprouting. That would be the most shocking. Yeah, of all those, be, that yeah. would be the most shocking. Um, it's a tall task, but you know we'll see. Yeah. I mean, this would be a bigger surprise even than if Yaya went and beat Alex Volkanovsky to me. Because at least I see a scenario in my head where Alex ducks into a head kick or something at least. I just... Sure. She hasn't knocked someone out since 2014. I mean, she subbed Joanne Calderwood, yeah. but no offense to Joanne Calderwood, but it's not the same thing. It's not yes. the same thing. Um, all right, pick up the pace here a little bit because we're all going to go long just because it's the nature of what we do here. Um, Jeff Neal, Shafkat Rachmanov. I got a lot of respect for Jeff Neal, Mark. Got a lot of respect for Jeff Neal. He's a good fighter. Um, he's not going to win this fight. Yeah. No. Sh Shafkat is killing people. These are not close. Yeah. They're all finishes. He's got 16 wins and 16 finishes. And in the UFC, yeah, he's got three he's got three chokes and a spinning hook kick knockout. Like inside the distance, Shafcat. That's what I got. Mike's got Shafcat also. Who do you got? Mm -hmm. I think yeah, Mike's got Shafcat at least. All the momentum in the world, an extremely high skill set. It, it's really hard until he gets up to the upper echelon of this division. What are we waiting fighting. for? Let's get fucking Covington, going. Covington. 
None of them want to fight um, him. None of them want to fight Usman. him. <laughs> None I of mean, them want to really fight these, him. <laughs> these guys at the top are the only ones where it's like, okay. Well, this is number seven. Maybe. This is this guy's Jeff's number seven. Yeah. Which poor number seven is like a, this big of an underdog. Yeah. I mean, literally, I'm talking about those two guys and yeah. Leon Edwards. As like, and, and even Leon, I'm like, he's probably going to get smoked there. It's mostly like you need someone that is going to be capable enough in the wrestling to potentially shut that down to make it just a striking match. And he's shown, you know, an ability to be very coherent and strong there as well. So like, I mean, he's got six really goddamn tough. finishes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's he, and like I said, all the momentum in the world. So it's really hard to, to pick against them at this point. And, you know, Jeff Neal is a tough veteran of the sport. He's fought some really good people. He's got some good wins under his cap. It's hard to see how he would be able to do this besides, you know, this is MMA. Crazy things happen. Huge upsets. Hey, my man's got eleven not finishes himself. He got nine knockouts. He just knocked out Vicente Luque. That's not fucking easy. No. Vicente Luque don't get yeah. knocked out all that Jeff often. Neal's no joke, but it is tough to pick against. He, he didn't get that number seven ranking yep. by accident. Um, no. All right, uh, Mateus Gamrot and Jalen Turner. Man, man, Jalen Turner. The opponent change is wild on this one. All right, yeah. going from going from Dan Hooker. To Mateus Gamrot. What is it? Out of the frying pan into frying pan into the fire? Like this right, is harder. Yeah. This is a worse fight for yeah. this is Yeah. Um and I know he just can't know he just lost. I know Gamrot just lost to Benil Dariush, and I think it's I like that people are taking that as we should have finally put some respect on Benil Dariush's name because he doesn't lose fights, apparently. Um Gamrot is 21 and 21 2 with a no and 2 with a no contest. I I know I, Jalen is on I think a five fight win streak, I want to say Mark, I think five fight win uh, one uh, five fight win streak all finishes. Uh three submissions, two knockouts. Problem is the only name you recognize in the whole thing is Brad Riddell. And Brad Riddell has not looked so great recently. Um Mike's got Gamrot. Man, I'm a big Jalen Turner fan, but I, I got Gamrot too. I, I think this is it's going to be his night um, to get it done here. I think he might sur- Jalen might survive, though. Maybe. What do you got, Mark? Yeah, uh, same. I mean, I the one fight I remember of Jalen... You still there, buddy? Let me know when I'm back. Oh, you're back now. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Jesus. Um... So uh, I was impressed with Turner's fight against uh, Brad, but like, yeah, that opponent is not really what it once was. Um, so it is hard to pick against Gamrot. And just looking at the records too, just playing the math, it's like this guy's lost two fights. They were against people that I think are top ten quality, if not even better. Right, Darush may end up competing and and potentially winning the belt. Fight with Islam seems like it could be difficult, but who knows, right? He, he's right there at the, at the very precipice of like getting his title shot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, got to go with Gamrot. You know, he's only lost to the, the, the tippy top. Um, but yeah, Turner's no joke. And he has some natural, uh, you know, physicality that he's, is he's fucking big, right? Difficult. He's like, very tall. He's fucking tall as hell for this. He's class. very tall, which could help him in this in the stand up with he's bad on the, the pace. It could be awful for yeah. takedowns, right? You're gonna on a taller guy. You're usually able to get under the the center of mass and get trip takedowns, to get clinch takedowns, to get double legs. 
it, it tends to be a little bit easier taller guys he's because, got long you know, fucking legs too long yeah. guy, if he sprawls out it, it's a little bit of a different story but yeah I, I think gamrot just has a higher skill cap here he's gonna be able to get it done um we all got gamrot and then yeah, that's gonna be a clean sweep here obviously bo nickel jamie pickett bo nickels let me look let me tell you my uh, let me tell you the odds when i'm looking at him for but i want to bet on bo nickel right now Bo Nickel is coming into this fight on Bovada. Minus, he's, we moved to minus 2,000. The fuck, man? All right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to beat him in less than two minutes, probably. <laughs> that's what's going to, that's where we're at here, man. This guy's going to get fast tracked. You put him on, you put a guy on pay per view, by the way. I got expectations that you give me somebody next that I know the guy's name, at least. I don't mm-hmm. think I know, I don't think I know who Jamie Pickett is. Apologies if we've talked about him before. He's got a Wikipedia page. And he's 13 and 8. Okay. All right. 13 and 8. Okay. All right. He'll be, yeah. this, he'll, he's getting his walking papers at the end of this night, it looks like. He just lost to a guy with no Wikipedia page. Um, on the undercard, Mark, um, Drickus de Plessis and Derek Brunson. Drickus is a minus 200 favorite, and Derek Brunson is the number five ranked, I think, right now. Middleweight? Five or six. Um, mm-hmm. I think some are up there, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Derek Brunson's in a constant state of getting disrespected. But like, I then I do feel oh, then he sure. ha, then he has these fights sometimes where he gets just mm-hmm. decimated. That you're like, oh, well, we got to drop him down the rankings a little bit. Then he builds himself back up again, and then he gets smashed by some young dude. Is that what we're about to see? Yeah, I don't know. Potentially. Um, I mean, Drickus last fight was very impressive you know mm. um and that was against another grappler type i think because wasn't it uh joke no i think it was Till. Oh, oh, Till. Till. not a grappler at all no. um yeah i think stylistically it could be interesting um it is a big fight for him i and like you said Derek brunson he has moments where he looks great where it's like his wrestling's on point his striking sometimes can be very accurate or sometimes can look completely sloppy against you know whose opposition is so it's going to be a good measuring stick for both these guys to kind of see where they're at. I mean, he's 39 years old. He gets knocked he's out. He, he's going to be hard. Like, you knock him off this. And he just lost to Jared Cannon here. He got finished. So mm-hmm. he loses another one. You got to build himself back. He, he seems like the man goes on long win streaks and loses back to back. Long win streaks, mm-hmm. loses to Robert Whitaker or Anderson Silva. Win streak, loses to Jacare and Izzy. These are not inconsequential people to lose to, though, of course. No. Long win streak, longest winning streak, loses to Jared Cannon here. We'll see, man. I mean, just look reading the tea leaves. He's going back to back losses is what this man does. Um Drickus, I wasn't I mean, he beat up he beat up Derek Darren Till, but I remember thinking like Darren Till looks terrible. Like, uh, yeah. this is also what's happening here. Um Vivian Arujo and Amanda Rebus is gonna be good, I think. And uh Ian Gary. Mm-hmm. Ian Gary's just beating dudes' asses, right? Like he's a massive favorite here. He was the Cage Warriors champion. They don't defend titles over in Cage Warriors. Once you get a Cage Warriors title, you kind of just you just get fast. Assuming you're assuming you're one of those guys where the guy, the promoter, is also your manager, which we learned is a thing. Yeah, that, that helps. Yeah, um, um, I, I will say like he he struggled in some fight. Not not I, like he he's a prospect that I think I think he's he's a stronger prospect than Patty. I think he's more skilled than Patty, he's, but he's not like one of these guys where it's like oh yeah like like Bo Nichols. Where it's like this dude's just fucking fire at everything. Yeah. Not only is Bo Nichols like a great wrestler, he's also a good striker too. He just surprises you with like yeah. how skilled he is. Ian Geary's a tough guy with good stand-up skills, but he's not like 
this unbeatable yeah, entity I mean, just yet. I think the reason he's not fighting a someone who's know who the fuck they are is because mm-hmm. his last two fights have been decisions. He's not exactly blowing the doors off of people sure. the last couple yeah. of fights too. Mm-hmm. Um, Julian Marquez is always good for, there for a good fight. I don't think Cody Garbrandt was supposed to fight this dude. With somebody else, I think. Oh, yeah, it was. Okay. He was supposed to fight Julio Arce. Um, right. And Julio, uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying he would have definitely beat Cody because he's not that good either. But Trevin Jones, Cody's a favorite. I don't think Cody's been favorite in a very long time. And right. uh, yeah. Anyway, Jessica Panay, still doing it, man. Still doing it on the undercard. This is stack card, though. Top to bottom, pretty interesting stuff. I personally. If I had nothing going on, I'd probably pick it up right there from like Arujo and Rebus or Marquez fight, maybe. Where I might I might I might not pay attention to Cody Garbrandt and Trevin Jones, if I'm being honest with you though. <laughs> sure. There's not yeah. a lot on the it's line a, there. It's a good card. There's lots of talent. Yeah. Um the guy curtain jerking is like a minus eight hundred favorite for Reed Basharat. So might be hearing about him soon one day. Um all right. Uh Stu stuff we like. Um I'm gonna. Uh, I gotta. I, I watched. I'll go. I'll go I'll, I want to. Pre- I'm gonna give a real quick preview of what I'm doing next weekend. But uh, also, I want to say I finished season two of Hunters, which is the show about Nazi hunters in the 70s, late 70s, I think. Um, show only had two seasons. This was the second season. Spoiler alert: um, Hitler's alive, and then the. Another spoiler alert, the most interesting thing of the season is they had the trial of Hitler. That was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I was one, I, I would be like, honestly, that was the point where I was finally like, this is the type of shit I watch alternate history, you know, w- you know, shows like this for. Like, that'd be cool if that shit happened. Not about like the f- fictional character you created and their relationship with some other fucking person. I don't care. I really don't. If you're going to set it in a real world thing like that, I want to know, you know, if you're going to alter some shit, let's make it interesting. And Hitler being brought up on war crime charges, that would have been quite a sight to see, wouldn't you say? So that's... Yeah, it's a good yeah. premise. Yeah, um, sure. And then uh, I wish Mike was here for this, but next weekend, going to AEW Revolution, the pay-per-view. Uh, UFC, AEW does only four pay-per-views per year. Maybe five now, if they're going to keep doing the Ring of Honor crossover show. Not Ring of Honor, New Japan crossover show, but... This is their quarterly pay-per-view revolution. Tra- tends to be their best show of the year, oddly enough. Um, uh, be my third AEW pay-per-view because I went to the first ever Double or Nothing, the first ever AEW show, which was Double or Nothing 2019 um, with Kid Presentable and our friend Drew. That was a real good time in Vegas. Then I went to Double or Nothing this past year with Mike and uh, friend Drew and our friend Phil. Uh, another good show, a little bit long. This one in the Bay Area... I'm so thrilled it's not at the fucking Cow Palace, Mark. They're they're at the Cow Palace on Wednesday for the TV show. I don't know. First of all, when people are watching AEW this week and say, why isn't anybody at at this show? It's because it starts at 5 p.m. at the fucking Cow Palace. All right? Nobody's... There'll be some people. No. There's some diehards. People that have jobs. Okay? Even if you have a job, you got to leave at like 1 o'clock. Bobby, you might be overestimating the average AEW fan a little bit. Job on a Wednesday. Yeah. They're fine. They work the night shift. They're fine. Uh, Just real quickly going through the card. The Elite versus the House of Black in a six-man tag match. We all know what this looks like. It's a six-man match. Motherfuckers are going to fly over the place. Um... Kenny Omega versus someone they used to call the Wish.com version of Kenny Omega is going to happen in the middle of this match with him and Buddy Matthews. It's going to be cool. 
Uh, Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho, three-way for the women's title. Not big on this storyline necessarily. It's kind of been disjointed, but big Jamie Hayter fan over here. So I will be rooting for her loudly. Uh, Chris Jericho, Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is the man. Stroke daddy, if you will. They don't let him call himself that on TV because, well, it's TV. Calling yourself stroke daddy brings questions. Um, Samoa Joe and Wardlow, Mark. This is a, a big meaty men slapping meat match right there. Two mm-hmm. very large men are just going to run at each other. Uh, Texas death match. John Moxley, Hangman Page. It's going to be a lot of blood. Uh, four-way tag match. The Guns, which are the champs, versus the Acclaimed, versus Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Yes, that Jeff Jarrett. Versus, to be determined, the winners of a, I think, Battle Royal on Wednesday. And then finally, the part I'm just fucking jazzed for is a one-hour Iron Man match. Though the minute this match got announced, uh, Drew, our friend that I'm going with, texted me to say, oh my god, we're going to be there for eight hours. Um, So... I love, I think Brian Danielson's maybe the best wrestler I've ever seen, just in the ring. He's so good. Everything. It's not that he does crazy flips or anything. He's just, he's the kind of guy Mark would really like when we were kids, which was like a lot of like technical shit too. He does a lot of joint manipulation, stuff like that. Everything has a purpose. Everything's done at the right time. Everything looks like it hurts. Nothing hopefully does hurt. Love Brian Danielson. He's going to lose. Uh, we're in MJF's era here, baby. MJF's going to hold that title. And Brian's not going to be the one to take the title off of him. So I'm really excited for that, though. Should be fun. Marcus, what do you got this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty light this week. Uh, the only thing I could really point a finger at that I just kind of found on Netflix that I really enjoyed. Um, it's called uh, Chunk on Earth. So this is like a BBC show. Um, and I guess this comedian plays Philomena Chunk. And I guess like the whole thing is like she does mockumentaries where she and this particular show is talking about like the history of humanity and she's basically talking to experts and kind of taking the piss out of everyone because she kind of plays like this ditzy, doesn't really know what she's talking about, um, mockumentary type person. And like I think I watched two or three episodes. I thought it was really fun. Um I only heard about her maybe a couple months ago when I saw like one of her videos that kind of went viral where she was interviewing someone about nuclear weapons. And then she was like, Oh yeah, but thank God no one has nuclear weapons now. And the guy's like, uh, no, they still have nuclear weapons. Uh, like, Oh yeah, but they're blanks. Right. <laughs> and he's like, no, they're very much not. And she starts like crying. <laughs> it's like, okay. I, buddy, I think I, this actress looks very familiar. Cause she doesn't play just, she doesn't play just this person. Has she been in? Uh, it know. looks like this, from what I see here, it's like I guess she had like a, a Britain version. Whereas, no, she's played this character a bunch Britain. of times. Okay, never mind. She just looks familiar. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I hadn't really. I just saw that viral video like maybe a couple months ago, and then I was on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh, there's like a show." She has like a show or whatever, and I was like, "I checked a few episodes out. It was really fun." Um, other than that, yeah, it's been kind of slim pickings. So yeah, that's what I got this week. All right, we're gonna hold off on uh, entering a fight into the yeah, thing. We'll save week. it for next week. Um. Next week, we're going to see who the new heavyweight champion is. Really? That's, there's going to be a heavyweight champion, yes, you'd sir. think. Unless they do one of those things where they don't like the result and they're just like, oh, this is the next pay-per-view. Uh, we'll just do next pay-per-view. Okay. Um, that's what they sound like in my head. That the grunting old man noise. Um, 
And, uh, oh, breaking news, Sergei Pavlovich is the official backup for the Jones versus Gone fight. No, okay. Oh, Sergei Pavlovich would beat Cyril Gons- Gons' ass. I'm just putting it out there. Sergei Pavlovich I'm sure might beat those everybody's two will ass. fight, and that will be a very interesting fight for sure. Um, and uh, we'll be back next. We're going to talk about this card, which is the main event's far too good to be in front of. Oh, it's in front of people. I take it back, Mark. It's in front of people. This card next week. Uh, it's at the theater at the Virgin nice. Hotels. Peter Yan, Marab Dirizvili. It's a fucking banger of a fight. Um, and it's got, now we got uh, Ryan Spann and Nikita Krylov right. on there. Which is good because things get real thin <laughs> after that. Um, but yeah, um, we'll talk about that next week. Um, maybe we'll talk about Bellator kicking off their, uh, their uh, Grand Prix. On March 10th sure. in San Jose, we're kicking that off with uh, Benson Henderson. It's going to get his ass beat by Usman Nurmagomedov. It's going to be real rough, Mark. It's going to be Probably. real rough. Um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Mike should be back. We'll see what his thoughts are on the new and improved John Jones, or maybe not so improved. Until then, I was Dr. Law. That was DJ Mark. Thank you again for listening, and peace out. Yep. So, like, Comcast just hates you, huh? Is this waste of the podcast? Yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm not going to throw her to the bus, but I think Christine was on Discord. She's doing, like, a book club thing, and, I, you know, the internet just can only that handle sh- so that much. That should be enough to handle that, bro. It, that should be it enough. It should. I don't know what the problem is. I got to talk to him. I got to get new new equipment because this is getting unbearable. This is ridiculous. All right, folks. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Peace. <laughs>